Hello, this is Ken Perry with this week's Boots in the Field. Yield reports coming in are starting to jump around um, from higher to lower yields and what we've seen earlier. That's not uncommon. Typically, the deeper we get into harvest and the drier corn gets, for instance, we see yields shifting down. But guys up there in north central Iowa took out their variety plot, had a number of their corn varieties going over 300 bushel. They had some of the low population hitting 285, so that'll be interesting to sort that out as we work through those seed pods itself. In the dry areas, um, as guys are finishing up fields, they're starting to figure out what an inch of rain is worth, uh, whether they caught it or not. It's about 30 bushel in corn, 5 to 10 bushel in beans as we see things swing around. The replant corn reports now are starting to come in and they're pretty wild. Uh, replant acres in a lot of cases for corn are equal or surpassing the uh, original plantings in the field. Big question is why are we seeing these big yields coming out of the replant? Well, of course, a big chunk of it is better stands. That's why you were replanting the stands were bad. Part of it, of course, is timing and depth fill, what kind of moisture you got as you were finishing. And we're talking about replants that took place you know in that first part of may the 15th 20th time frame of course not the replants that took place in june um, but scenario where uh, the replant kernel depth is there as well um, this is probably something to remember next year when we talk about tapping the break when conditions are changing and it looks like it's going to give us stand establishment problems i know it's really hard to stop planting in the spring uh, your crazy consultant tells you, let's pull back and let this pass through. But uh, what you're seeing now in the replant areas, and I know a number of guys saying we should have replanted more, and that's probably true, but it's a gamble we got to take. What has proved to be somewhat of a disaster, unfortunately, is the inner planting, where the guys stuck 17 to 20,000 plants in amongst another 10 or 14,000 old plants. So far, most of those have been a disaster itself. Haven't got into a whole bunch of replant beans yet, but uh, we'll pay attention to those as they come in too. With the rally recently in the bean market, I've had a flood of calls about switching to soybeans on soybeans and wanting to know, um, you know what they're going to do different, that type of thing. Uh, and I kind of thinking about the questions that have been asked all week. First thing I, I believe, based on our plot rotation plots, where we're our crop rotation plots is that you should plug in a five to six bushel lower yield for beans on beans most of this is due to early season disease and stand establishment followed by a potential late diseases such as your charcoal rot fompus root rot things like that that are hard to control but five to six bushel from our plots is kind of the uh, indication that we would have beans on beans now one interesting thing about beans on beans is the yield doesn't continue to drop. Got some fields that have been 20 years beans on beans, and you would think you would eventually drive it into the ground. Uh, but it seems to take that five or six bushel drop, and if you manage them after that, it doesn't go much lower. Now on the flip side, it doesn't go much higher either. It isn't like corn on corn, which traditionally, uh, after you get through the first couple, three years, you can start to increase yields itself. But what are some of the tips for beans on beans or the questions that I've gotten this week? Uh, the big one has been, should we till the bean stubble? Should we work our bean on beans? And that idea makes sense to get rid of uh, residue, we'd have less disease. Uh, but our rotation plots don't show this. 
most of the threat from the residue comes from the leaves and the pods that are left behind. They carry a lot of the disease pressure. But by the time the rows close uh, and start to set up the situation for disease stress next growing season, the leaves and pods are gone already. They've been digested by the microbes and out of there. So tillage for the purpose of disease management uh, in our plots hasn't helped. Now you may be doing it for other reasons due to ruts or whatever, that type of thing. But uh, I don't feel it's a necessity in the bean on bean from a disease management st standpoint. One question, should I spray my beans on beans with a fungicide? Here again, our plots don't indicate that beans on beans respond to fungicide any better or any worse than beans on corn. If you're getting good results with your fungicides on beans following corn, I would continue that in beans following beans. If you can't get your fungicide to pay on corn following beans, I would probably hold back and watch the conditions, the environmental conditions, uh, before I would actually automatically apply them to beans on beans. Another question, will white mold and sudden death be worse in my beans on beans? Here again, we have not found this to be true. We have seen 10 years of corn on corn get smoked by both sudden death or white mold once we put it back into a bean crop. White mold and sudden death are kind of what we call perennial diseases. They're in the soil and they're going to stay there. So you're going to manage those by variety selection, seed treatments, uh, fungicide at the right timing, maybe some diphenyl ether for your white molds. But crop rotation and white mold and sudden death doesn't seem to make a difference. So I wouldn't let that deter you um, from beans on beans. Now, granted, if you have a field with a lot of white mold pressure, you may already be growing corn on corn for that reason. And then when you switch back to beans, you still have that threat there if conditions change during flowering. If it's warm and dry during flowering, even a heavy white mold field isn't going to be a problem out there. Another question I got a number of times, should I use seed treatment on my beans on beans? Here I would say yes. Uh, most of the trouble we have with bean establishment is getting the stand up and we're fighting the water molds in the soil. Seed treatments can help a lot uh, to lessen the amount of water molds that we have to deal with and the replant issues that we have to deal with. Here I would add a sudden death treatment as my seed treatment. This allows me then to, to plant earlier. Uh, and if we're not planting corn, we might as well be planting beans at the same time. And there's a strong indication, again, between this year and, and last year, that our April beans are going to be 5 to 10 bushel better than our May beans. We knew this for a long time until sudden death pushed us back into May because of all the trouble it gave us. We could actually go out there and plant our beans on beans in April. And planting, based on, again, this year and last year, it looks like we're gaining about 5 to 10 bushel on our April beans Um that may make up all of the five to six bushel we give up for beans on beans. So we could actually move our bean yields up in that scenario itself. Another question I get, should I change population or row spacing? I would change these based on yield and weed control issues. 
um, I would not change them based on the fact that you're going to beans on beans. Our plots do show that narrow rows tend to yield better at the same population as wide rows. But when it comes to row spacing and population, that plays a big part in weed control management. So what kind of trouble you're having with your weed management becomes an issue. If you're in wide row beans right now and you have water hemp that's flat getting away from you, you have a lot of water hemp seed out there. So going back to beans on beans means you have limited chemistry compared to what you would in a corn program. So don't forget about all the weed pressure that you have. And a field that's getting away from you right now, you may not be a good candidate for wide row beans on beans because you're going to have to deal with a lot of pressure and you don't have atrazine and 2,4-D and dicamba per se in the corn or in the beans like you do in the corn. So think about that. But narrowing up the rows, bumping up populations to help with the weed control, that's, that's probably a good practice. So again, those fields that are terrible from a water hemp perspective, um, those are the ones that concern me the most. Those fields that the uh, mare's tail got away from you, that's all going to be in managing your burn down program and taking care of that before you get started. The water hemp, though, you've got a lot of seed pressure out there and uh, you're going to have to take a different plan of attack next year from this year in beans on beans. So you, you're limiting yourself there. So think about weed control and which fields that would fit into it. So what are the key things I can do for better uh, beans on beans? Well, of course, uh, one of the first things you think about is good fertility, especially pH. Beans are going to struggle in an acid environment, especially if we get dry like 2012. Um, so remember when we're talking about beans, they use fertilizer too. Some guys are switching to beans cause they're not going to put any fertilizer on and they think they've cheapened up the whole program. If you don't apply fertilizer to the beans, they're still going to use soil fertility. 70 bushel bean crops going to take 50 to 70 pounds of phosphate, 80 to 90 pounds of potassium. It's coming out of there. It's not like you're avoiding it in a situation you're going to pull your soil test down. So if you don't apply fertilizer uh, ahead of your bean crop, you can't just assume that it didn't cost you anything because your overall reserves are going down. And we want to be honest with our fertilizer cost. Sometimes guys charge all of their P and K to the corn crop and nothing to the bean crop. And that's just not the way it works. The beans are removing fertility too. So just because we don't always spread on the bean ground doesn't mean that they aren't removing it as well. So Think about that. And remember, beans respond to soil fertility more than applied fertility. So your high fertility fields make the better candidates for beans on beans compared to your low, especially low phosphate fields itself. An area two that needs to be considered is cyst management. Soybean cyst nematodes can explode if you're not paying attention to them in a bean on bean situation. So you need to pick varieties with cyst resistance, maybe even in fields that have noted cyst uh, in the field, um, maybe a seed treatment as well. So throwing a nematicide and a resistant to it itself. Now, if you've had cyst tests in the field in the past and they're above threshold or above that thousand per hundred cc's, again, probably not a good candidate for beans on beans. But again, we can actually reduce cyst counts 
with beans on beans because only about half, when you plant corn in that field, only about half of the cyst will hatch. The other half will stay dormant until beans are planted again. So by planting beans on beans, you trigger the cyst eggs to hatch uh, one year after the next. And if you have some nematicide and a resistant variety, you can actually lower bean count, cyst nematode counts with beans on beans. Or you can ignore it and they can explode. So again, here, almost all the soil we work with has some cyst issues. So if we're going beans on beans, we're protecting ourselves from the cyst nematode itself. If you're picking farms to go beans on beans, we're talking about high fertility farms, but we're also talking about your better drain farms. So much of what we struggle um, with soybeans is because they get wet feet. They get wet feet early in the season. We have our rhizoctonian, our pythium, and our fusarium molds that knock the stand around and kill plants. If they get later, uh, if it gets wet, cold later in, in August, we're starting to deal with sudden death and thompus root rot and uh, problems within the soil itself. So if you're picking fields, pick the fields that are better drained. They're going to tend to be more stable um, and lose less from a bean on bean situation itself. Also, uh, spend some time and look at your yield history. Don't ignore your yield history. So if that field is lagging in beans consistently, going to beans on beans isn't going to improve that situation. So we need to be realistic with when we're doing our budgets on what that field can do. If that field has never went over 65 bushel, and you plug it in and beans on beans and your budget at 65 bushel, you're fooling yourself. Now, uh, not to say that moving the planting date up and the, some of those things and the weather conditions being perfect that it could do more than that, but I think you need to be realistic about your fertility, be realistic about your yields, and then be realistic about your cost. Some of you guys that are spraying six times <laughs> to manage a water hemp, that has to be put in there if you think you're taking that mess back to beans again next year because those weed seed didn't go anywhere and tilling it isn't going to change that factor either. So hopefully some things to think about as we think about our rotation change. I like the fact that you guys move with the market. I've heard people say, well, what do you mean when they're trying to buy the market? Uh, you know, does that really happen? A lot of farmers just go corn and beans and that's it. Uh, not the case with the crop tech customers. Um, situation where some of you guys are changing your mind right up through planting depending on what the market tells you. So I applaud you for, for looking at this from a cash flow standpoint. I think that's the right way to go. So with that, as you guys are knocking them down, call them in and we'll clean them up. Keep your soil testing right up behind the combine itself. Keep her safe. Keep her moving.